The following podcast is brought to you by the Village Zendo. For more information, visit villagezendo.org. Good morning, everyone. I've been enjoying watching the uh, the fast kin hin in the uh, in at the village zendo in the city, and and the slow kin hin uh, at the New Paltz Zen Center, uh, along with all of uh, seeing all of peering into all of your your homes uh, and uh, practice spaces. Uh, good morning. Uh, can you all hear me? Okay. A few thumbs up. Wonderful. Okay. Thank you. Uh, so, so we were away um, traveling for a couple of weeks, um, and uh, since returning uh, from vacation, I've been catching up on on Dharma talks that I missed while we were away. Um, not exactly binge watching uh, Dharma talks, but something like that. Um, and I've really uh, come to appreciate the uh, the depth um, and the uh, honesty uh, of the talks that have been shared with this sangha. Um, they remind me why we're here, um, the intention behind this practice that we do. So I'll, I'll touch on, on a few that I listened to, um, and I'm sure there are a few that I missed still, um, but if several of them just stuck in my mind um, uh, as sort of an inspiration for today's talk. Uh, a few weeks ago, um, Bokushu and uh, Secho actually both gave talks um, that touched on the pain and, and suffering in Gaza. Uh, and of course, uh, you know, there's been a change and a turn in the events there with the ceasefire and, and some hostages being uh, returned. Um, uh, so perhaps a little bit of light um, uh, in the midst of the darkness. Um, but for many of us, I think the conflict, you know, seems fairly distant. Um, yet we know that members of our Sangha have uh, friends and family in Israel and Palestine. And we get news daily about people, um, hostages, people displaced from their homes, people who have been killed. Uh, over the Thanksgiving holiday, one of my nieces uh, was in tears um, at the suffering of the Palestinian people and the injustice of the way they've been treated um, and, and their situation has been ignored for so many years. And I, I've been to Israel and I feel I know a bit about how, um, how interconnected um, uh, the people sharing um, this little bit of land are. Uh, and I want to imagine these people living side by side peacefully. And my niece says that nothing is impossible. Um, now she believes that the only just solution is a, is a one-state solution with the right of return. Um, I don't know what the solution is, um, but her thoughts were eye-opening for me. Having watched the history of this conflict for most of my life, uh, I'm conditioned to think that there is no solution, that the situation is irreconcilable but nothing is impossible. And just that conversation was so um, uh, eye-opening for me. It was a moment of realization for me. Uh, Soten talked about um, what it's like to live with physical pain and, and the way that um, physical pain can lead to psychological pain. 
And as uh, as many of us are are getting older, I think we some of us know what physical pain is, either our, our own pain or that of those who are close to us. And Soden talked about um, how his psychological strategies of working with pain uh, in the past are failing him now, and how he's learning to work with his pain uh, in a different way, um, to view his pain um, as his koan. Just a week ago today, um, on the Sunday before Thanksgiving, um, Hugo talked about the many things that he has to be thankful for, including the opportunity to practice the Dharma. And he related a very uh, touching story about caring for his grandfather as he was dying, the intimacy of caring for another person's physical needs. Uh, Gesho, who's here this morning, talked about a, a composer uh, named Pauline uh, Oliveros. Uh, he used sound uh, as an object of meditation and developed a practice called deep listening, um, uh, which she defines as a practice of listening to everything under all circumstances in every way possible at all times. And I listened to one of uh, Oliveros's compositions. Um, uh, which invites the listener to focus on a, a single, slowly changing sound. Uh, Oliveros calls it sonic meditation. And I found it to be exactly that. It was really uh, the sound that just invited uh, me into that moment uh, of pure listening. Um, and I know that Gesho, in, in her talk, uh, invited uh, those who were attending to uh, to listen to what was going on in the space around them. So, so each one of these talks addresses the question, um, how shall I be in this world? How shall I live in this world so full of both joy and suffering? And this, this really is the root question that we're here to investigate in Zen. We're here to investigate this matter of life and death. This question is very relevant to me at this point in my life. Um, I think it's always been relevant to me. But at this moment in my life, um, I recently retired uh, from a career of 43 years in tech. Uh, probably I started in tech before we called it tech. Um, uh, and I still resist the, the word retired. Um, uh, I, I want to use air quotes um, uh, because the word has this implication of, uh, of irrelevance, of uh, the idea that I'm in my, the penultimate chapter of my life, uh, living a, a life devoted to, uh, to golf or other hobbies. Um, but uh, after 43 years, uh, a time when most of my waking hours um, were devoted uh, to my job, or at least my, my thoughts were devoted to my job, what comes next? How shall I live my life? How shall I be of service? You could say, I am asking the penultimate Zen question, who am I? Ryotan Roshi once told me that uh, Korean Zen master Song San uh, gave his students the koan, what is your true job? What is your true job? 
And I love this koan because the idea of doing our true job is so demanding. It really forces us to look within. And I, I found a, a, a little um, uh, interview, actually, uh, informal interview with Song San. Um, uh, actually, it was from 1989 at the uh, Cambridge Zen Center. And uh, the title of this little uh, uh, interview was Already This World Gives You Your Job. And uh, Song San says, compassion mind means only help other people, not thinking about me only helping other people. And the interviewer asks Sung San the question, um, so human beings' job is to save all sentient beings. How did we get this job? And uh, the master says, so uh, what are you doing right now? And the, the interviewer says, I'm picking at my fingernails. And uh, Sung San says, ah, Picking my fingernails. Yes, sitting on a cushion, talking with you. Yes, that's your job. Just do it. And everyone laughed. Very simple. Don't make anything. Moment to moment, just do it. When you drive, just drive. Don't think of girlfriend, okay? If you have a girlfriend, then you have a problem. Policeman appears, gives you a ticket, then you lose money. So he made a joke, but his message... And Sung San's message was always, just be in this moment and do what this moment demands. So in all honesty, I was uh, probably um, binge watching Dharma talks uh, as a way of avoiding writing this talk. Um, I was ignoring Sung San's teaching. Um, no, I don't feel I can tell anyone uh, how to live. Uh, certainly beyond my ability uh, to, to tell uh, anyone how to live if I each day uh, ask myself that question. Um, and yet a Dharma talk actually can be much simpler than uh, expressing the inexpressible. It's simply encouragement along the path. Uh, Ankyo Roshi, uh, in her recent talk, one of her recent talks, um, spoke about being intimate with our own mind and heart, and the way that we can move away from intimacy uh, with our own life because of our attachment to our ideas. And I was, uh, you know, the order in which I was watching these talks may not have been the order in which they were given, but I was amused um, that uh, Ankyo Roshi's uh, talk uh, illustrated um, uh, this intimacy through a koan that also involves sound. Um, and I'll just uh, uh, ask you to bear with me while I recite uh, the koan that Enkyo Roshi used once again. Uh, Kyose asked a monk, what is the noise outside? And the monk listened. It's the sound of raindrops. And Kyose said, men's thinking is upside down. Deluded by their own selves, they pursue things. The monk was taken aback and said, well, what about you, teacher? Kyose said, I'm almost, but not quite deluded. The monk asked, well, what do you mean by almost, but not quite deluded? 
And Kyosei said, though it is fairly easy to express what one realizes through awakening, to say the whole thing is difficult. How can we say the whole thing? How could we possibly say the whole thing? So the story features uh, a teacher named Kyosei, Ching uh, Cheng in, in uh, Chinese and a nameless monk. And he asks a fairly straightforward question. You know, what is the noise outside? And the monk gives a very reasonable answer, the sound of raindrops. So why didn't Kyosei accept this answer? I don't really know, but perhaps he felt that the monk was just giving a rote answer. It wasn't really living in that moment. What would the sound of raindrops be if we didn't have a name for them? What's the direct experience of the sound of raindrops? It's exactly the same thing that Pauline Oliveros is pointing to with deep listening. What's the direct experience of a strawberry? What's the direct experience of sadness when we experience loss? Or of just listening with an open heart to another when, who needs to talk. Instead of being deluded with our own selves and trying to tell them how to live their life, can we just be present with the moment? In his uh, translation of the uh, Lankavatara Sutra, Red Pine defines delusion, delusion as the things that the mind gives rise to. Delusion is simply the things that the mind gives rise to. So every thought is really a deluded thought. Our mind creates delusion. Words and language create delusion. So before delusion, what exists? sound of raindrops or the dining room on Thanksgiving day that needs to be cleaned up after the meal or the dogs that need to be walked or the friend that needs to talk about his wife who passed away over a year ago and his difficulty with his children. What is the source of our delusion? As Wei Wu Wei, um, uh, originally known as Terence Gray, said, we spend 99% of our lives thinking about ourself, and there isn't one. How shall we live? Song San would say, only go straight. Be present with whatever arises. Respond with an open heart without thought of yourself. In this way, we can enjoy the sound of raindrops. We can enjoy watching the New Paltz Zen Center do slow kinhin. We can enjoy an intimate moment with a friend or a loved one. We can grieve at the suffering in our world. We can be inspired to take action. When I'm asked, what do you plan to do in your retirement? 
I say I'm taking it a day at a time. It's only been a month, but so far I've found that the sun still rises in the morning and each day is very full. Primary difference, I think, when compared with my life before is that there, in an interesting way, is less um, uh, urgency, less thinking about the next thing, which causes me not to be present in this moment. Uh, it leaves me more time to give attention to this thing, whatever this thing is. There's less urgency on Sunday night because on Monday the work week starts again. When I'm walking, I walk without always checking my watch. This was Enkyo Roshi's teaching of the sound of raindrops. The koan that I selected for this talk today is uh, actually from the Mumankan, case 45, um, uh, which is uh, uh, in the uh, Cleary translation titled, Who is He? Um, but I, I like the Yogan Senzaki's title, Who is it? Um, the non-gendered uh, title, Who is it? And it's a very, very short um, little koan. Um, it says, uh, it goes as follows, the patriarch of the Eastern mountain, Master Hoan said, Shakyamuni Buddha and Maitreya Buddha are both servants of that one. Now tell me, who is it? Shakyamuni Buddha and Maitreya Buddha are both servants of that one. Now tell me, who is it? Of course, Shakyamuni Buddha is the historical Buddha the origin of uh, this path, or at least uh, the lineage of this, the origin of the lineage of this path that we follow. Perhaps the path was always there. Uh, and Maitreya Buddha is, uh, is said to be the Buddha of the next age, uh, who will come to bring people to enlightenment in, in the future. So there's the historical Buddha who set us upon this path, and the future Buddha who will enlighten people long after we're gone. And Master Hoan says that these teachers, these great teachers, are the servants of that one. So who would the great Shakyamuni Buddha serve? Muman says, if you can see him and are absolutely clear about him, it will be like coming upon your own father at the crossroads. You do not have to ask someone else whether you are correct or incorrect in recognizing your own father. So Muman's giving us a very, very clear kind of clue as to what this koan is about. If you're walking down the street and your father is walking towards you or your mother is walking towards you, you don't turn to somebody else and say, who is that? You know, it's your own father. We can't live another person's life. We can only live our own life. And yet we follow so many false gods. The God of work, of achievement, with its twin poles of success and failure, 
We're so deeply concerned about how we appear to others. Look at social media, where everyone presenting their perfect life. And of course, this koan is, is, is saying, you know, even blindly following what you think Shakyamuni Buddha is telling you to do is following a false god. Master Linchi was even more direct when he said, if you meet the Buddha on the road, you should kill him. What is your true job? What is the truth of this moment? I'll leave you with a little poem that I wrote a few days ago while walking the dogs in South Mountain Reservation. The bright red euonymus, the burning bush, brilliant against the gray and brown of the autumn landscape, the crisp air, the sun low in the sky, the song of an unnamed bird mixing with the sound of my boots traipsing through the leaves. Who is it listening to these sounds? Who am I? I'll never tell. You must work it out for yourself. Thank you.